selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Well, hi again. It's been only a few days since we last spoke here on my, I was going to say weekly podcast soundtrack, and but at the minute we're giving you an episode pretty much every third day. Thus is the way that there are so many great things to talk about at the minute. I hope you're enjoying the episodes. It'd be really nice if you did feel like giving us I don't know, your thoughts, your feedback, guest suggestions, all that kind of stuff. Please do get in touch with us. Info at edithbowman.com is our our, our email address if you want to get in touch about anything. So we'd love to hear from you um, with regards to, I don't know whether you've watched some of the films that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. Maybe you went to the cinema to watch Jodie's film, The End We Start From. Uh, Maybe you've seen The Boys in the Boat, Priscilla the holdovers, um, or maybe over the weekend you watched The Kitchen with today's guest. Um, The last time we had today's guest on the podcast, he was up for an EE BAFTA Rising Star Award, which he duly won. Of course he did. How far Daniel Kaluuya has come since then. Although, to be fair, he was pretty much a superstar by that point already. Joining me today, though, to discuss his debut as a writer-director on The Kitchen. Music for the film is provided by Labyrinth and Alex Baranofsky, to whom we owe huge gratitude for providing us with as yet unreleased cues of a Sunday morning. Alex, you absolute legend. When, you know, other people would normally be reading the papers and eating croissants, we can't thank you enough, Alex. And we'll begin with one of their cues, Can I Stay? I'm like, I'm so glad that I get to talk to you about your film that you've written and directed. I felt so chuffed I got to see it at the, the Closing Night London Film Festival. 
And it felt so right. It felt just the perfect launch pad for this next chapter for you as a storyteller. I know we don't know each other that well, but I was so proud of you kind of just going, yes, Daniel, it was brilliant. Oh, I appreciate it. It's so good to have you there. I remember seeing you after. Oh, yeah, it's like that. Yeah. How does it feel, though? You know, this has been, from what I've read and stuff, this has been, this is a story and a kind of thing you've had kind of in you for a, a long time. And finally, it's, you know, people are getting the chance to see it. How does that kind of feel, this sort of different unleashing of a project for you? I'm really looking forward to let it go. Do you know what I mean? And like allow, allow others to to take it as their own and take it for whatever they, they want. I give we, me and Kibway, the co-director, give all that we could to this. And and like we just like, it's done. You know what I mean? It's like it's kind of like I'm, I'm a bit like kind of like I thought that would be like, oh, but it's just peace. You know what I mean? It's a little bit of peace. Yeah. Where did the journey start then for you with this? When did the idea start? And what was that journey for you in terms of kind of writing it? And making those decisions that you were going to take on those roles throughout the project. So the journey started, like, I had the idea in a barbershop. This guy was talking about Smash Grabs doing a million pound house in a minute. And I was like, I want to watch that film. I was just like, I want to watch that. Then I did some more research, found out they were getting paid 200 pounds to do it. I was like, who robs a million pounds for 200 pounds? What's going on there? And then so then I was like, all right, cool. Then I found it so interesting about, I think it said a lot about London, said a lot about class, said a lot about inequalities, said a lot about desperation. You're risking freedom and, and death for 200 pounds. And so, yeah, we just dug it, dug it more. Then I was, did this film called Jonah, short film called Jonah with Kidway, pitched it to him there. And he was like, oh, yeah, nice. It sounds, it sounds interesting. And then a lot of time went by and he was like, he came back to me about it. And then me, Kidway and the producer, I was just saying to them, listen, we can't do this whole like, because I, I wrote Skins as 18, 19. And I was doing all these, like, everyone wanted to meet me because I was writing this young writer, like, doing this thing, and they wanted me to write young people. And but I was just taking <laughs> loads of coffees. I was just drinking loads of coffees, loads of water. And I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't writing anything. I was like, this is bullshit. Like, what's everyone <laughs> on? Like, well, like I want to make stuff. Like, I come from a stock and cloth where we just make things. We don't be like... Yeah. So I was still making YouTube sketches. So I just said to them guys, I was like, yo, like, let's just make something. So we put £200 each and shot it in a barbershop that I heard the idea. And it was basically Reservoir Dogs in a barbershop. And then, yeah, they, and we did a taste on and we went to film four and said, this is what we want to make. And they, they saw the vision, they got it. And then kind of it started from there. But it was like a lot of stages, but a lot, a lot's happened over time. So we're mm-hmm. at, at positions and I've had to go like this. And then, like I think my career, I was writing it solely, like, and then my career went crazy. So then Joe Murtang, the co-writer, came on board to do a pass to make sure things were moving whilst my life was changing. And, yeah. and um, then I had to come back on board in the pandemic and and do more more work. It's basically just been like a a collective between me and Kid, where like we've both been doing it. It's been working in a way in the sense that like um where I come up, it was just like everyone does all the jobs. You don't it doesn't matter what your role is. Yeah. And then but then when you come in the versions, this is what the positions are in terms yeah. of the influence on the project. I love Joe's work on uh, Karma Horses. I thought that was an extraordinary film and a brilliant piece of work in terms of, in terms of kind of how he writes people. Good set of eyes to have as a, you know, someone to kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, he, he, he taps into humanity, which is really, yeah. which is really, really important and supposed yeah. to just characters. What kind of director are you? Because you've worked with some brilliant ones. You know, and I guess it's that thing of kind of watching. And I imagine you're that person where, because you are so multifaceted, you know, like you say, you started writing at a young age and making... And it's about working with these amazing, whether it be, you know, your Denevo nerves or Jordans and stuff in terms of watching how they do things and going, that's the way I want to do it or that's the way I don't want to do it. Have you been 
taking things on board as you've been on this journey as well in terms of coming to this point? Yeah, I think by osmosis, I think I've just taken stuff in and if I've been changed by notes and I've been changed by conversations or I've seen someone change someone's performance, a lot of it's how you delegate, how you communicate. I think I've been inspired by my whole career. It would be yeah. like Steve Queen, it would be like Ryan Coogler, it would be Matt Lipsy who did Cycleville. Like I've been inspired by so many great directors. Do you know what I mean? It's Adam yeah. Smith Skins who directed the first thing that I ever wrote for screen, which was that this skins, it was like a skin short. So like the older guys would write like the main series and then the young people would write like the internet shorts. So I wrote this one about Jao's brother in series one. And I remember I was at sixth form, like when it was getting shot, I was like, oh, this amazing. is nuts. Like, I'm, I'm in class and it's getting shot in Bristol. I'm like, this is nuts. And then by the way Adam works, I was just really inspired by him. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and like Paul Gay that was on it as well. So. There was a lot of people that I've been a, come across on my journey that have really, the knee, like, that I've been, been really just going, oh, yeah, Jordan gave me some wise words, like, mm. I did the Sundance Screenwriters Lab a month before I shot Get Out. So it's been a, it's been a long journey. And, but my style, I, I'm still figuring it out, but I do, I do like communicating. I do, I do like, but I like, I trust everyone. It's a collaboration. I want them to feel like they've owned it and they've kind of, they've put their point of view. Do you know what I mean? You trust their intellect, trust their creativity, trust their their know-how and their execution. And so they say, if like, for example, one of the departments, like one of the actors, you do it two, two takes a certain kind of way and the last take, oh, what would you think? Go on and do what you think. Tell me that you, most of the time would use that body and that shape because yeah. they feel fresh. And same with the VFX department. You want what you want, but at the end of the day, you're the expert. So... What, what do you think? And it's like, come, let's have a dialogue. Like, this is how we want to feel like Elephant and Castle Shopping Centre. But how do we execute that? How do we make that cinematic? How do you I mean? It's like, I feel that's what's been really exciting is genuine collaboration. Is that's what I fell in love with this game. The yeah. film was brilliant. I really, I loved so much about it. I love the, the performances are brilliant, you know, and I feel like you've given Kane an opportunity to kind of really blow us away in terms, I mean, he's brilliant in Top Boy, but this is something different in terms of there's, this is a different ask of him. And I just feel like he was absolutely kind of rose to the challenge that you gave him. And uh, little Jedi as well as Benji. I mean, bloody hell, what a find. He's phenomenal. Literally breaks your heart. Like, and the production design on it, the sound, the score and the needle drop. I mean, all of it. It's just you're immersed in the world kind of, kind of completely. And I love that whole, the opening cue that you've got uh, and the idea that as we come into the film and you've got those kind of, few setups so, you know you've got Kane in that environment the, and then the kind of the the raids kind of going on as well so you're getting an idea of the kind of the landscape of this world that we're about to enter and it's just it's amazing in terms of like how you've created this whole world but it's familiar but it's not in a way mm. there are no questions in what I just said that was just me spouting it's weird because like, now it's happening it's like getting like really smart people having their opinion, I'm like, I, I find that more. Because a lot of times you're just going off instincts and you're doing what you're doing and then you're like, oh yeah, no, it is that, it is that. That's, but it is what we was aiming for. We wanted um, we wanted to take people into another place, but feel feel like you know this place. You, we wanted people to fall in love with the kitchen. Yeah, you, know? you want to be there. You want to help save it. That's mm. the thing. It's such a character in the film. I've got to mention Ian Wright as well. For my husband's birthday at Christmas, my 10-year-old, we spent weeks online trying to get a signed Ian Wright shirt for Tom for Christmas and we managed to get one this thing arrived 
we've not got walls big enough to put this thing on. It's, it came like framed with like yeah. loads of old pictures of Wright Ian, the signed shirt and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. and, and it was absolutely brilliant. And I'm so excited for Tom to see the film because he's such a big gunner. But he's brilliant in it and the character that he plays though as well. Were you writing with people in mind for this, both kind of like Kane and Ian and stuff as well? Or how did that kind of come about with, with those two particular choices? It just wasn't, it wasn't, no, we didn't, we didn't write in a mind, but they did bring a lot to it. They're like, they're just interesting people. And we wanted to make the most of that. Like, I'm very much a firm believer, like, I write something, I go, all right, cool, that's the cut of the suit, but we need to tailor it to you. So there's like, in order for it to really feel like, you know, you're in it. Yeah. I mean, you look like you're walking around, that's a suit, that's your suit. So then that's what I'm saying, this, this is your character. Yeah, this is a sketch. Bring, you're bringing this to life. And so a lot of it, a lot of conversation with Kane, you know what I mean? And a lot of back and forth. It's, I said, I'll hear him if a line doesn't make sense in his mouth, bro, change it. But I'm from an improv background, so I'm not really that precious. I'm like, whatever's best. And same with Ian, it's like kind of like he'd never acted before. So he's like, he won it, but he has such an emotion to him. He's such a, a heart to him, such a humanity to him. And we was actually surprised at how much we got, you know what I'm saying? And how much he was able to go there. But he was remembering how much South London has changed. He wasn't remembering how many people have moved from his area, how many people left, how the breakdown of the community. He did really tap into that in order to kind of portray certain moments of Lord Kitchener. But also he, he was the life of the kitchen. He was, he was bringing the life to it. He's bringing the joy in it. And I mean, I can't say what happens, but like he, it's, it's a, yeah. he, can, he has a massive presence. You know yeah. I mean? But he always had a massive presence. He just happened to be a great footballer. I, in my head, I have this romantic notion that whilst you're filming it, he's actually like DJing, you know, in between takes and stuff. And he's kind of like, he's got this whole vibe going and stuff. No, 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 we so... did that. I think there was time there was takes. I was like, just keep going. Yeah. And I would play <laughs> different songs. And then at one time, was it, what's the song? I think the song that was used. No, no. It was Krista Berg, Lady in Red. And I just played that over the thing. And he was like, yeah. So a lot of the things were going, yeah, with like Christopher Lady and Red, him going crazy for it. It was funny. It was sick. How did you navigate that, though, in terms of did you get loads of stuff cleared in advance? 4,000% didn't get a lot of stuff cleared in advance. <laughs> yeah, uh, what we did is basically, we was like, this is what we want, and then seeing what would work out. Um, but we just knew the vibe. We knew what the vibe, for me, it had to feel, I think music is such a big thing in London. Like, and it's so eclectic. It's so, so many genres. Even in like an underground club, there's going to be so many genres within that underground club. Yeah. So we just wanted to, to, for it to express that. The only song that was definitely had to be there was Candy, Cameo Candy. That's the one that was definitely locked in from the beginning, but that was connected to the dance. And, but even yeah. that was connected to how do you show, cinematically show the community, the kitchen as together. And for me, it's when you do Candy. You know what I mean? It's like, at a wedding or at the end or at the end of a club when a DJ when a DJ wants to kick you out, like everyone does the, that dance. You know what I mean? And it's like it's triggering. You know what I mean? And 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 I think then people then fall in love with it. But also you have this little boy who wants something in the middle of it. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's why it, it transforms and it evolves into something because it's like and then the, and then the lyrics are more poignant and you actually yeah. listen to it even when you want it all tastes like you know I mean he wants you know I mean he wants him, but he he, he doesn't think that he is he wants him back. And, but then this is happening within this community. So it's like the, the dance is reflective of what the dance that Izzy and Benji are doing.
Because like that kind of piece of music, because the kind of personal connection it's got clearly to you, but to so many people is that it makes it timeless, you know, because it transcends generations. Mm-hmm. It's not one generation song. No, 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 no. In this, ma- in this process is what I really had to learn as a, as a writer and a storyteller is like how to not lean on like recent cultural references in order to make timeless work. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes, like, you can just go, oh, like, I'm going to say a joke about this, and it will trigger people, but in 10 years' time, it won't. You know what I mean? And I've seen that in a lot of films. I go, oh, I don't understand what they're saying. It was, even though I have the information, if I go on a Wikipedia page, I didn't live in context to understand what they're talking about, to really understand the dynamic of the joke. And I didn't want that for this. I wanted, especially now we're doing in the near future, not now, I wanted it to be timeless to a level. But it's like, what, what, what British features, what London features are timeless? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And us really think about that and really make those decisions from that that place, which took a while and it was a it was a tough task. But I feel like the stuff that is in it is what makes people feel things. When I was kind of watching and my kind of crap notes of trying to like write things down as I was kind of watching and stuff as well. And there's the Billy McLean walk away track, the lamp scene, as I, I wrote down badly. But I love that. I love that whole moment of their relationship with that song you know in terms of they're in the, the, the apartment and they're in the barber shop and stuff and all that kind of stuff and it's just it's beautifully used you know this one needle drop across different scenes it's not just used in one kind of context we kind of were placed then we're taken out and we're brought back and it's just it's almost a beautiful companion to the narrative and the emotion that these characters are going through yeah no, i appreciate that no it's, it's um the day the story is about like uh men who can't talk and so a lot of that times they speak through other languages and music's a big language that people speak through, men speak through. And so the lyrics of it and the, the mood and the sweetness of it is a sweetness that Izzy is unable to express. And he, he hasn't really experienced, he hasn't really received, so he's not able to give it. But it's around him and he wants to go towards it. So that's what it kind of wants to represent. Whenever we tried anything else, it was like, no, this is it. Like, this is, this is that song. And then also the bitter sweetnesses of it. Yeah. Is that actual melody of it is sweet, but the, the lyrics are not. Yeah. Yeah. And so you... that kind of thing where like um it was very um very much tr- wanting to reflect Izzy's psyche, but also kind of show his descent of like his conflict. I don't want connection, I don't want community, I don't want family, but here I am, like yeah. realizing I need this. Yeah, because it makes it even more kind of like you're like, no, when you see what happened where he goes next, and you're like, What are you doing? You're so broken as a as a viewer, because you see him, you see him drop his guard and you see him smile and laugh with this little boy in a way that we've never seen him. You know what I mean? Like lose those kind of barriers that he's constantly got up for just those couple of moments when they're laughing about the lamp and it's kind of like, oh, and then it's like, oh, it's heartbreaking. It's not that I don't love you. You know how much I do. And it's not that I found somebody to take the place of you, but it's just. 
Labyrinth and Alex then in terms of kind of working on score. I mean, Labyrinth's work in terms of, you know, I love playing when I was on Radio One playing Labyrinth when he sort of first came through and just and then out DJing and stuff like that. And just so impressed by what he's doing with his music on screen, whether it be, you know, um, I love that Malcolm and Marie film that he did and Euphoria as well. I thought they're fantastic. But with this as well, it's just it's so kind of subtle, but really powerful. There's a where he says, "Do you want to ride or not?" The the little voice in the cue in the piece of score that's in that bit. It's really tender and kind, and it's it's almost like being sat next to somebody watching the film and them kind of going, "Oh, did you see that?" Or it's really kind of physically effective. I think the score in the film. Lad's got so much soul to him. Someone I've been a fan of for a very very long time since like pass out days. I just knew that, like, what is going on here? Like, he's on another planet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like these sounds. I'm like, what is going on? And when I saw him doing Euphoria, I was like, oh, I think he's Andrew Lloyd Webber, personally. That's just my opinion. But, like, um, I just think that he has a has a soul to him and has a depth to him that he's able to just communicate. I remember when he watched a film one time, he came to my house, he watched a film. He's a hard man to track down, like, but he came down <laughs> and then he just sent me a song, like, the next day, next morning. Like, just like, yeah, this is how it made me feel. And it was so, it was so accurate, it was so poignant. It was a cut and it was like, it's what I feel. And it was so like, kind of like, oh, wow. He really tapped into the emotion. And then one time he came into the edit and he just started playing. And then he started playing. So a lot of the, a lot of the piano stuff was just, is just him freestyling. Wow. It's just him freestyling to what he's seeing. And a lot of stuff, we just used that unedited. The, the, end, of, the end of the film is an unedited labyrinth, just freestyle, just him just going off on one. And it was just because it just felt like so raw and so honest, so like rough yeah. and so tender. And it was just that kind of like, but in this moment when the world's like kind of going crazy around them, but they're having this moment. And it was just so, he just is able to communicate the, the inner realities of the characters just yeah, effortlessly. So yeah, and a lot of even the Staples theme and Alex did amazing work on that as well, like making that 
making that like big because I just I just wanted it to be big. I was just I always tell him like it's Star Wars, bro. But I, what I realized that twelve year old, if you go into another estate that's got this legend and it's got this kind of like name to it, it is another world to them. It's like yeah. oh my god, I'm about to play with the big boys. true to what was happening within Benji's mind that's what it feels like it feels like Jermaine is like but it's also I feel like it was really important in this film to show the tenderness and have black characters as gentle and like I feel like the scene when Benji goes into the gang's lair for the first time and is sleeping it's like a lullaby what I really wanted was basically going he's an orphan and not only that all these kids have no one there's a danger, there's an anxiety to it, but there's a kind of like a, a tenderness to it. Yeah. There's a gentleness to it. When basically this older guy saying, yo, I'll help you out. And you're going to say yes, because you have nowhere else to go. And the harshness of that and having to go, yo, like a, he's going on his journey because he, he misses his mom and he can't stay in that place where his mom is because it reminds him too much. And he doesn't even, he's not even aware of that. He just runs. Yeah. For me, Labyrinth and Alex really got across the complexities and the, and the depth and the nuances of, um, what the characters were going through, which I feel like have been flattened in other narratives about this world. Talking about that piano and him just reacting to stuff. I don't know. Have you seen American Symphony, the John Batiste film? 
No, I haven't yet. Oh my God, it's extraordinary. And it's one of the things in that documentary is, you know, he's he's writing this, this symphony that he's got to play at Carnegie Hall. It's his American symphony. As this is happening, his wife is going through her second experience of cancer. It's crazy how these two things are running parallel. He talks about, he can't really describe how he writes. It just kind of comes out of him. Like he reacts to an emotion or a feeling. And you see him, there's a moment where he's filmed and it's kind of like, it's just coming out of him. And it sounds so similar to to how Labyrinth worked and how that reaction. Oh, no, no, no. He's, I think me and him, like, like I think we, we understand, we understand that these ideas aren't ours. Mm. We listen to a radio station and we're just basically bringing it to here. You go, you hear something, all right, cool. But to bring, you're bringing it there. It's not, how can you generate it? <laughs> it doesn't even matter. It's just, it exists. It's just some people can see things and some people can't because of their experience and what they've learned across life. And a, and, a, and a Labyrinth has that musically. He just knows how to kind of like just download and just kind of, boop, boop, eh. Boop, boop, eh. And, and, and can hear the music that is happening. In a conversation, we're chilling and we just hears the music that's happening. It's a really, it was a really, yeah, it was a really great experience. Where did you find Jediah? Because he's, I'm so excited to watch him and see where he goes and what he does. Because his um, kind of presence on screen is kind of stops you, stops you from breathing. Sometimes you're kind of like you don't realize you've not taken a breath. This is his first acting role. His aunt saw the ad for the audition, told him to go on the tape, but he went on tape. And then, like out of all the kids, he just had it. He just had it. He's charismatic. He's he's cheeky. He's funny. He's like he's got it. But also what surprised us on set is how his emotional depth, how much soul he has to him. And also even craft-wise, how he was able to tap into his friend's pain, like his friend's lost his mum and, and transfer that into the character. It's really complex stuff that he's doing at a very young age. And yeah, he just had an audition and he just and he just got good ideas as well. He's like, mm. he was just like, there's certain scene, there was a scene I wrote and he, he had an opinion. I was like, he said, a 13-year-old wouldn't do that. I was like, mm, you're right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it really changed, we changed the theme. He's sharp and he's on it. He's real. Everything he's, when it, everything's happening, it's real. And it's just, mm. it was just really, it was a joy to to watch him grow as well on set as well. Did you try and kind of keep him and Kane sort of apart a bit? Or, you know, in terms of that, that relationship, you know, it's almost kind of like, I don't know, I'm being too familiar with each other whilst you were shooting and stuff to kind of keep that sort of two-way thing that's constantly shifting throughout the film. I think Kane kept his distance at the beginning. Kane kept his distance because he wanted it is. But it's like, luckily, it happened like the film kind of like the more they got to know each other, the more we did the later scenes. So it was actually happening organically yeah. that they were able to build his bond. And also, a bit like Jediah got more relaxed because he, again, he's like on set, everyone's there, he's filming, he's like, so um, he was able to kind of relax with them. But they they kind of they did a bonding session at the beginning of the, the shoot to get to know each other but um it was kind of good at the beginning like they just came as a well is he's avoidant it, it was good at the beginning that he he didn't really engage with Jediah as much um but yeah they grew over the course of the film was it a part of directing this that you enjoyed the most edit edit was fun edit's fun <laughs> edit's fun edit's fun because you're kind of like every day you have a problem <laughs> or a couple problems or all the problems <laughs> and then you're like all right cool how do we fix this and you're just with a like, team of people Every day, showing up. All right, cool. These are the problems. All right, cool, cool. And then you get closer, and you're getting closer, and you're getting closer. Just continuous thought, continuous thought, and just getting a routine and a pattern, and a, in a, and just trying to solve 
things. All right, how are we going to do this? How are we do that? How do we get this across? And also just the conversations that you're having in those spaces. Just really concentrated. It's like pure, 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 pure storytelling. And we had a Christian Sandino Taylor who uh, did, did like, he did an amazing job on this. He'd like, he like his ideas and, and what he gave to the film is like, is, I'm forever grateful to him. Mm. And, um, and Amy Beatty, the story editor, who did amazing as well in kind of really shaping scenes and, 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 and back, going back and forth and doing work. We kind of was like really, really, really in it. He was really he was in it. But I, I've just enjoyed, I enjoyed that part of it. Have you got the next one lined up ready? Next what? Next Film interview. Film going to direct. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> the next film, the next director. Hey, I, I don't let this come out, man. Edith, I'm, I'm knackered. <laughs> You've been uh, not everywhere, though. I've got, got ideas. I've always got ideas. I've got six sitting yeah. on my laptop. But for me, it was really important to finish this. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, like, boom, get it done. And then, like, yeah, maybe. But I've always been like, what does the idea want from me? Could be want me to act in it. Could be want me just to write in it. Could be want to direct. I don't like, it's whatever... Yeah. I'm not really, it's about how do I get something that doesn't exist to exist and who are the people that you want to build that with. That's really it. Like, I don't really think of it in like strategy terms. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm probably in denial about how like being a director and I've had too many opinions on set, to be honest, when I'm at. So like, it was always a natural, it's a natural step <laughs> where, I'm, where I'm at right now. So, but yeah, no, I don't have the next one planned. I've got ideas, but we'll Go see ahead. how this plays out. I also, just before we run at time, bloody love Hobie and Spider-Man as well, across Spider-Verse and beyond next as well. Top work, mate. So great. Yeah, fun. it's great. Bonkers how they do that. You're like, how? How do they do that? It's just nuts, but no, it's no, so no. entertaining. It was so, you know what it is? It's like, it's really helped me because like I watched a cut of it whilst I was in the edit for Kitchen and it was so inspiring because it wasn't finished. It wasn't finished. It was like really thinking, really, some drawing was a bit scratched and this is that and the other. And I was like, oh, wow. And just understanding their process and seeing it bare. And then like two weeks later, they showed me another cut and they moved so far. And I'm like, these guys, it was just so inspiring to watch them work. Um, Kemp, Phil, Chris, um, all the, the whole team. And just yeah. really, really inspired me to like create and, and yeah. like help and drill in more. It's, a, it's a, a, such a unique and brilliant beast we watch it over and over again in our house it's brilliant listen daniel and um, it's so great to chat to you and huge congratulations again it's you've made something really really brilliant and that's really connected as well it's lovely as well hearing you get the chance to talk to you about the collaboration as well with those you know with the music side of it as well um so thanks for your time mate and congratulations i appreciate that edith man appreciate you watching and appreciate you appreciate the love
From a score to the kitchen, that's your safe by Alex Baranowski and Labyrinth, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Daniel Kaluuya. Huge thanks to Daniel for taking the time to talk to me about the music in his first feature film as a writer and director. And you can watch The Kitchen on Netflix right now. And it goes without saying, it's something well worth doing. Thanks once again to Alex for helping us out with the music. We will be sure to get him on the podcast very, very soon because he is a man in high demand. Uh, edithbowman.com is the place to go if you want to hear Daniel's previous appearance on the podcast, which also featured, get this... Florence Pugh, Timothy Chalamet, Tessa Thompson and Josh O'Connor. Be still, my beating heart. The most wonderful collection of talent who have gone on to enormous and brilliant and inspiring things. Follow us on socials. We are at Soundtrack in UK. And please have a look at our YouTube channel, Soundtrack in Extra, and subscribe if you get a chance. We'll be putting Daniel up there. We've got some exclusives as well. From uh, Mia McKenna-Bruce, we've got uh, the producer and director of the new Netflix show Griselda going up there this week. And then next up, joining us to discuss his debut feature film is director Jamie Childs, along with his composer James Drummond. The film's called Jackdaw. Uh, it's set in the northeast of England. It's got a great cast, including Jenna Coleman, uh, Tommy Targus, Oliver Jackson Cohen... And it is out in cinemas this coming Friday, the 26th of January. So ahead of Jamie and James joining us, check out the film when it comes out on Friday in cinemas. And we will be dropping a new episode of the podcast this coming Friday. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. <laughs> <laughs>